Here's Blake to Roy. This is for the Hello and welcome into the Backyard Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Scott, and joining me this week, as they do every week, Kyle George, Tyler Bagginstoss, and as per usual, fellas, we're fashionably late to the news, right? Uh, (laughs) Major breaking news here in Portland as well as around the NBA as Damian Lillard is traded from the Blazers uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, DeAndre Ayton being a major piece from the Suns that's coming back in that deal as well as Drew Holiday. And we'll really expand on that here in a second. But before we do, I want to get um, first and foremost, your guys' thoughts kind of before the trade. There was a, a smaller rumor going around that the Blazers wanted to have this done by the media day, basically, um, which I think was October 2nd. Um, and that executives around the NBA felt that they were actually, you know, pursuing a trade. Like there was action being taken, not as uh, stalled out as it has been in the past month and a half or so. Um, so where was your mental state going into the week? Did you expect anything or have you just heard too much that you basically were blocking things out? And then give me your instant reaction, maybe not about the deal itself, but about seeing that it actually did take place that Dame was traded from the Blazers. Um, I'll start. And I think that week it was getting very, like it was in the news heavy. I remember we were talking about it all together and a lot of different reports about, you know, different teams that we hadn't quite heard about started to pop up. A lot and of Toronto talk. A lot of Toronto talk. Um, I forget the other major team, but. I would say coming up to the point and then as soon as I saw Dame like with his face on the Woj headline, like I, I knew it had happened, but it didn't really hit me. I think it, I would speak for all of us. Like once I saw a uh, Dame in an interview in like Milwaukee and he's going through his own media day and he's in a different jersey and talking about like what that team, like what Milwaukee's trying to do, then it hit me. It's like, okay. This guy, he, he's gone. You know, he's been here. Like, I know, he's not That's ours. <laughs> 10, 11 years of our life. Like, some of the most exciting times I've ever had as a Blazer fan were because of him. And he's gone. And I think he left us um, something to be excited about with what we got back. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree with Tyler. It was it was definitely a very su- a surreal moment to, to see that. And, and like, it... It's bittersweet, right? Because I think we, I, I personally, I'll speak for myself, had kind of accepted the fact that he probably wasn't going to be back. And I think back to the last time we talked Blazers, and I think we were kind of having a similar conversation where these rumors were floating around and we were talking whether or not he was going to be gone before training camp and things like that. And I felt pretty confident that he was going to be gone, even though it was like getting, kind of getting down to the wire there. But it really felt like he was going to go to the heat. And so the fact that we were able to send him to a team that, in my opinion, is a little bit easier to root for. Uh, oh, by a mile. I personally like Milwaukee a lot more than I, I do Miami. And, like, Miami kind of had at least their fans on Twitter and just their organization seemed to be a little bit cockier in their approach to, to acquiring Dame. They kind of felt like they were the only ones. They didn't really need to give us their best package. At least these were the rumors that were being floated. So to see him go to a team where we know he's going to get that championship opportunity with guys that I personally like to root for, 
it's it's cool for that, but it's also you know the other side is that he's not the Blazers anymore, so that's obviously a huge disappointment. But um, you know, I'm excited that we officially chose a direction. I think that's one thing most Blazer fans were were wanting out of this situation was like we just want to choose. Like, are we are we pushing our chips in, like our GM was saying, or are we rebuilding? And we've chosen the rebuild path, and right, it's it's right. nice knowing that we have solidified that. It'll be also quite nice to be outside of the headlines for a little bit now, uh, you know, for the next couple until the season starts. Uh, but I will get, we'll talk about Dame's legacy towards the end of the pod in Portland. Um, but I agree. And I, I think you do have to tip your, your cap to Cronin in a sense of yes, Dame was wanting Miami very obviously, but this was not a bad consolation prize for him. Dame that being um, for not being his number one choice. So I'm not saying Cronin was actively thinking that. I think he's just pursuing the deal. But it's cool that Dame does get the chance. We all want him to have, like you were both just mentioning, to to really attack a title. Um, and so let's get into the deal itself. It was a two-parter, so we'll kind of go into the first and then the second because I want to get your mental state in between. Um, the Blazers trade, obviously, Damian Lillard to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the Blazers, in return, it's a three-way deal with the Suns, receive Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, uh, a 2029 first-round pick, and two pick swaps from Milwaukee. And then the Suns, in return for Ayton, receive Yusuf Merkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. So, obviously, a blockbuster, but what were you guys thinking of the initial haul when you read it, how did you like the Drew and uh, DeAndre Ayton, you know, being the main trade pieces that the Blazers get in return? Um, give me your thoughts around the deal, Kyle. We'll start with you this time and then rotate to Ty. Cool. Yeah, no, I was I was personally very surprised to see Milwaukee in, in the trade. Like, they hadn't really been mentioned at all. As a, as a candidate, like we mentioned the Toronto's, I think Boston was floated around, but you never heard Milwaukee because it was just kind of assumed they didn't have the assets to get him. But that's because we didn't think Drew Holiday was available. And so when I first saw Milwaukee, I remember my heart was like, because the ESPN app didn't show the detail. The trade just said Damon Lillard to the Bucks, And I was like, did we just get screwed? Because I know they don't have enough to get him. So like what just happened? And when you when I did finally read the trade and saw that it was the three way with um, us getting DeAndre Ayton, I was actually very excited because that rumor had kind of started to float as well prior to Dame getting dealt where the Suns were potentially going to get Nurk and we were going to get Ayton. I was really excited about, not because I think DeAndre Ayton is like this top five center that some people are kind of making the claim for him to be, but I still think he's a very young guy that has very high upside and because we're not a team that's trying to win, the fact that we're paying him a max contract doesn't really matter to us. Um, so we basically just get a really young center that's proven that he can play at the highest level in the biggest games. Um, and we kind of just get to take a shot on him. And if it works out fantastic, if it doesn't four years from now, then we just don't have to bring him back. And hopefully we'll have developed all the other guys on our team to where it won't be putting us in a bad situation. So overall, I was very excited. And I kind of knew that Drew Holiday was going to be on the move. Like there was no way he was going to stay with us. So I knew the deal wasn't done. And I know we're going to get into that, but I think we could – we could all assume that more picks were coming our way when we saw this deal. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and then um, a couple things to know on the Drew Holiday thing. I th 
Drew Holiday, I think we all can all agree, is very valuable in the NBA. And right. would would definitely seems like, you know, if you're comparing him to like Tyler Hero, which was supposed to be part of that Heat deal. Tyler Hero, six man of the year, great player, but defense and what Drew Holiday brings, that veteran leadership, the ability to play the point guard is more valuable in my opinion. So I was very happy Couldn't about that. More. Um, I think something to keep an eye on that I was reading about is that 2029 unprotected. That's kind of the end of Damon Giannis almost, you know, or or maybe slightly before. And Middleton too. That that could be a good pick for us. Like, and I think they saw that 2029 unprotected kind of did some math with Damon Giannis. If they stick there for a little longer, like this could be nice. Um, And then lastly, um, DeAndre Ayton. Um, I'm going to roll with he just needed a change of scenery, and here's my theory on that. Played at University of Arizona. Been in Arizona for a long time. Clearly stayed in Phoenix with the Suns. Um, Always just kind of had these stars on his team and had to – I guess he had to, I don't know, not fit in, but just play a role that maybe he wasn't happy with. And we're going to be able to – He's still going to have to play a role, but he's going to have definitely a bigger role. Like I'm sure we're going to see him in the post many times this first season um, just to get help us out. I mean, we don't have many options, you know, so he should get a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Get a ton of opportunity and hopefully a refreshing start for him. And, um, you know, it kind of rejuvenates his career here. Yeah. He, he definitely kind of gives me personality wise, like Dwight Howard vibes uh, on the magic. Which not not like identical, but that is somewhat scary at times. At the same time, I think, like you said, it's also really hard as a young player. I would imagine to be thrown right into the heat of trying to win a championship. Um, your every move is going to be criticized a little tighter, and so this is a chance, as you both mentioned, for him to really get kind of that those developmental minutes that he didn't have a ton early on. They had a bad season when he was first there, obviously, but since CP3, you know, they've been in the thrones of a championship run, uh, which comes with a lot of pressure and really I, I would think could be taxing, you know, mentally. And how long season. ago did CP3 leave the Suns? Does any, do you guys know? That was just this offseason. Is that what you okay. mean? Like was months? it? Okay, okay. Uh, he, yeah. All right. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, he was, right. he was okay. on the Suns this okay. last season, but wasn't playing as well as he had the previous two. Okay. Um, so you both mentioned the Drew Holiday part of this as well. And as Kyle mentioned, I think the buzz on NBA Twitter was, you know, Drew Holiday doesn't really make sense with the Blazers. So expect him to be moved or on the move. And it sounded like very quickly. And it was indeed very quick. I think the next day or maybe a day or two later, mm-hmm. um, the Blazers sent Celtics, the Celtics Drew Holiday and in return got Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, a 2024 first round pick and a 2029 first round pick. So a pretty decent haul with two serviceable players and two first round picks involved. Granted, the 2024 could be a, towards the end of the first round, but still a first round, extra first round shot. Um, so, Ty, what did you think of how the Blazers were able to turn Drew Holiday into the haul from the Celtics? I mean, I was – I don't want to say thrilled. I, I was happy. I mean, Drew was never going to be on the Blazers. So, we were going to get something in return no matter what. And I felt like – it. I this this deal almost shows me that 
which we were led to believe that there was other teams, you know, in on Drew. And the Celtics were kind of like, we want him. Like, let's – I'm not saying this is an overpay, but this is an aggressive offer that um, really helps the Blazers out, in my opinion. I mean, adding Robert Williams to DeAndre Ayton, and for the first time in I don't know how long – I mean, I don't know how long – Theo Ratliff, I think, was the last athletic center that we had. I think we talked about this at some point, but those are two dynamic defensive centers that the Blazers have that are young. Yeah. Kyle and would argue are, Zach Collins was an athletic center. but He would, he would. I would but argue Mason Plumlee was an athletic center. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But he moved um, like a robot. <laughs> but it, it's kind of a, like, it, it's refreshing to have, like, yeah. two centers, you know, that can play defense and shot block and – I don't know. It felt refreshing. That was that. That's what that deal felt to me. I feel like um, quickly before we get over to Kyle, well, I feel like that was a great way to say it. Ty, I, I, it's so exciting because this team is so different than the teams we've had the past almost decade. Just like we have no clue. Granted, we're not going to win a lot of games. I really don't think. But at the same time, it's a whole new identity that we get to discover as fans. And I think that's always a really, really exciting, you know, spot to be in. And then two years in, you could be ecstatic about where you're at, or you can be really upset with how everything went down. So that's, but it's going to be a two year roller coaster that, you know, we'll be on. So Kyle, what do you think um, of how the Blazers were able to maximize Drew Holiday or if that's a word you use? Yeah, I, was almost more excited, maybe even more excited about this trade than I was the first one. Agree with Tyler. I, I don't know if I would say overpaid because I do think Drew Holiday like has this value for a reason, but I definitely didn't expect us to get this amount for him. I, I mean, Robert Williams is obviously very exciting. Uh, the picks are exciting. I just got a poor internet connection. Can you guys hear me okay? Let me take your Brogdon take from you because yeah. I did hear I did hear that 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 maybe we were gonna try and flip him for a couple picks, and Brogdon's gonna come off the bench for us, right? And and it, and we do need some sort of veteran um, leadership and just presence yeah. for the guards alone. Yeah. You know, like he's not gonna be helping the big men out that much. You know, but like with Scoot and Shaden, they they need someone that some sort of guidance, and I know like. Scoot had his guy Pujetter come in, but he's going to be doing with the G League stuff. So, and Brogdon came out today saying he's going to embrace the role. And I mean, I'm pretty sure he's making a ton of money right now. So I'm, I don't think yeah, he's twenty two and a half million a year. Super upset about it, but whether it's something that maybe at the deadline Brogdon gets dealt or he sticks it out for the year, you know, I he's kind of a poor man's Drew in a way, right? I mean, they're pretty similar. Yeah, and I I think. Kyle, uh, let me know if your internet's recovered. But I think it's also one of those things where uh, it's going to be more valuable as we get closer to the playoffs. You're going to clearly know which teams need his yeah. services. And he doesn't even have to play a ton you know, for the team. No. He can rest his knee because he's had the knee problems anyway. Um, and then at the deadline, I think that's where you see a lot more overpays in general. Yeah. On these type of players, like someone that's really going to help a playoff team, not the stars. That's going to be Drew and Dame are going to be what their price is. Um, maybe waiting, you get a little more urgency, but I, I think those are more set. I think mm -hmm. a Brogdon can be someone, if you're a 
upstart team that you're in the force, you know, you're the Sacramento Kings and you want to really make a push, you might dish out a good amount for a veteran guard that, that can run your bench. So I'm, I'm on the same boat of let's wait. No need to be urgent about it. I do have uh, a general question for us. Okay. Hit me. When the, the pick swaps, like we have those two picks. Oh with yes. The, with good the bucks. Out. Is that just like whoever so, has the better pick between us and the bucks? Exactly. So like that was something I did want to bring up. There's a 2028 pick swap and a 2030 pick swap with Milwaukee. I think 2028 even, but definitely 2030, there's a good chance they could be super low in the draft and we're, you know, somewhere towards the middle to upper half. You know, that's six seasons from now. They're another small market team. And the only reason that they're in this situation is because they drafted Giannis. Mm-hmm. who is an absolute freak. So, I mean, that that's a one-in-a-lifetime, yeah, or it retires, whatever, anything. Yeah, there's so much that can happen in that. And, and that's way more valuable than any Miami Heat pick because they're going to attract every free agent out there. Yeah, agreed. Kyle, I don't know if you could hear us. We're going to try this again. But the, we were talking about the pick swaps, and that I think Ty and I both think the 2030 especially, that's that could be a really – valuable asset for us long term granted it's six seasons from now seven seasons from now but it that's could why be it's a, valuable because it's, it could be that yeah because you don't have no clue yeah good point. <laughs> what do you think kyle i think it's it's a great asset and just yell at me if you if i'm cutting in and out and i'll just stop talking but uh i <laughs> i think it's a great asset because um it's in theory we've already accelerated our rebuild a little bit with some of our young guys and so by that point in time we could have a team that's actually you know, comp- not competing maybe for a championship, but at least as like a playoff team where you, you know, you have these guys like even DeAndre who, you know, just have more experience, five to six more years of experience to where they're definitely in their prime to where that could be not only a pick asset, but also a trade asset too, to kind of get us that extra piece that maybe puts us over the edge. Um, right. So definitely valuable for us. I just wanted to talk one, one more time about the centers real quick, because I mean, I was listening to the media day and I think Chauncey was like, we have, a top five center room is what he's saying, you know, but he's the coach, but really these athletic centers, they're, they're, they're few and far between, right? Like where do you think our centers stack up? I, I mean, we haven't played and we, we, Robert Williams has been hurt a ton in his career already. Deandre Ayton's, what do you think they could be? How about that? That rotation? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, I think that's a more fair question. Cause if we're rating right now, I mean, you look at low. Jokic and bead by themselves and you're kind of low. Yeah, no, of course. Of course. <laughs> but um, no, I think even now they are competitive. And I think what they could, you know, if we're taking the most positive view we possibly can, that could develop into being a really great tandem where you have, you know, Williams running the defense and Aitnet being a pretty focal, you know, center point of the offense, you know, along with Scoot and Ant mm-hmm. Shaden everyone but i think that could be a really scary lineup in general with both of those guys you know kind of taking their specialties one being defense one offense i love that part of the pairing is that williams is all defense basically and uh we also have you know eight and is a pretty talented uh offensive player where his one underrated aspect is he's a great passer as well so yeah and being able having the two big guys like splitting minutes, like going at like a Jokic or something like just like saving energy and knowing, giving it your all like that is intriguing. For the rotation of it. For the rotation. Yeah. Like, yeah. Instead of like, okay, 
you know, I remember Nurkic would like sub in and out whenever Jokic did. And it's like, <laughs> does that really matter? No. Right. <laughs> okay, Kyle. So taking all of the Blazers assets, you know, into consideration now at this point, my question for you is, was there a deal you were seeing online uh, that you would have preferred a realistic deal to the one that we received in total? I don't know if you can call it realistic or not, because I don't know if it was real, but the Toronto Scotty Barnes trade was was one that enticed me, and I, I don't think it ever was an actual possibility, but it definitely would have been one that would have fit our needs. I mean, I guess you could argue the same thing about DeAndre Ayton, which works, but Scotty Barnes is, is kind of that wing that we've been searching for for what feels like ever since they've been in existence. So <laughs> that's maybe the only one, but out of that, like... Definitely not the Miami package. This one's way better, I feel like, than that. Um, so overall, I feel pretty good about what we got. Yeah, and then another one that I don't ever think was in play, but I was always enticed with Utah. I thought they just had a lot of players and picks that could have been an interesting package, but I don't think they were ever realistically in it, or Dame would have never played there. So right, um, this yeah, one, think... this the Giannis or the the Milwaukee one that came out of the blue. I mean, was a blessing in disguise. I mean, just awesome. I feel the same way. I think the way they were able to parlay Drew into, you know, the the couple uh, Celtic assets as well was a really nice complimentary move to to build out the full trade package. I, I feel really comfortable with that effort. And one thing that I wanted your guys' opinion on as well is how do you feel? Obviously, we love Dame, so it's nothing about that, but about the fact that a team did kind of stand up against the trade demands. I mean, we're seeing Philly and James Harden kind of in that stalemate still that we were just a part of as well. Um, Ty, what do you what do you think about that? Like, was that something you enjoyed seeing? Do you feel like the players should get what they want? You know, each time or kind of what's what's your thought there? Well, I'm uh, the GM has an incredibly tough job. I mean, you have to balance all all these things that you just mentioned. right. And at the end of the day, he's an employee of the Blazers and Dame. At one point, uh, you know, he had a talk with Joe and was like, hey, if you can't get me to the heat, I'd prefer to stay on the Blazers. Right. But until you can get a deal or Miami can build up the assets, that then you can trade me to the heat. Well, what do we do? I mean, I love Dame, but what are we doing? Like, it's right. just, that's that doesn't make any sense for the Blazers necessarily. Just have this looming trade demand hanging over your head while in the meantime not being able to fully transition over to the young guys and kind of setting them up for success so i i and i don't think i think joe handled it i not perfectly but i'm sure there was things that he could have done better but he was looking out for the team man and i i think what i i know i sent you guys the dame's cousins tweet or whatever and his biggest thing was that Joe never like confronted Dame about or like was said it to his face like hey I'm not trading you to Miami I'm trading you to Milwaukee I don't think he said that directly to Dame's face he just said no I'm not rescinding the trade offer and Dame's maybe thinking in his heart of hearts that he's still going to deal me to to Miami but Joe gave him a great opportunity to win we got a great haul back seems like a win-win so I, I don't think you can't just let these players, even they ha- they, you can't let them walk completely all over you. There has to be some sort of line drawn when it like comes a partnership to- more than anything. Make yeah. it make it a productive partnership. And yes, 
that's a yeah that's a good point and kyle tyler mentioned in there that uh, there was then right after the trade a story where dame had apparently talked to cronin um just recapping exactly what tyler said that if you can't trade me to miami i'm now open to coming back what do you think when you hear that after seeing the trade take place uh, what were your thoughts knowing that there could have been an opportunity for dame to be a blazer this season um i'm glad that we went about it the way we did because in my head like that's a you know chris haynes's article and the way he wrote it like we don't know how that conversation really went down was it a hey, if you can't trade me to Miami, I want to be here. I want to be a part of what what you guys are doing. I'm willing to stick it out. This is where I want to be. Or was it a, hey, like, if you can't give me to Miami, then I might as well just stay here. Because that's saying the same thing, but in two very different tones that mean two very different things. And my guess, if if I had to guess how that conversation went, it was probably the latter. In that it wasn't like a, hey, I'm here committed to the rebuild. Let's do this. I think we can find something here. And because of that, I think Cronin, to Tyler's point, made the right decision. And, you know, Tyler bringing up Dame's cousin, his sweets, and how Dame, I guess, was offended by the fact that Cronin never went up to him and told him what was going to happen. Well, Dame and his agent didn't do themselves any favors in that regard because they were swirling rumors, saying things weren't true, basically saying that they were only going to go Miami. This is the only thing that's going to work out. You're putting Joe in a position to not want to show his cards because of the way that they were kind of going about their business. It's not to say that what they were doing was wrong. You know, Dames's, Dames's agent was just trying to get him to where he wanted to be. I get it. But at the same time, like Tyler said it, I think, perfectly in that Joe has a job to do, and he's going to play his cards in the way that he feels is the best way to do so. And I think he actually did a really good job of that. So here, here's a point to bring up, boys, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Say Dame were more behind the scenes about this, him and his agent, and we're like, hey, Cronin, we – we really want to go to Miami. We're not going to be public about this. You know, we're just going to do whatever it takes to get me to Miami. Maybe then Joe would be more willing to go about it. I don't know. But it, whatever Dame and his agent did this time, did the exact opposite. And especially for the Heat, Dame going to Milwaukee and then Drew going to Boston. And now Miami's sitting over here losing Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, not getting anyone else being like, what are we doing? Right. And Ty, you're kind of on fire this pod because that is an awesome, <laughs> that's that's an yeah, awesome point in question because I do think it matters that this became a, a you know, face off in the public. And at that point, it's everyone's looking what is Cronin going to do? Is he worthy of being a GM? Whereas behind the scenes, you know, maybe that deal with Miami takes place and yeah, people may you know, tear it apart a little bit um, or they don't because there's not this public you know, battle going on of who's going to maximize the value or who's going to go to the destination they want. So I really, that's a very interesting, you know, point to bring up because I do think that mattered quite a bit. And and then I, you have to think that that's some of Aaron Goodwin's like, um, some of it's PR tra- also it, like it's, it's Dame's camp coming back also and being like, Hey, he would have stayed guys now. But um, it's it's definitely, I think, some PR work being done in there, too. I mean, Chris Haynes is Dame's guy. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's uh, the timing is a little suspect. I, I'm yeah, also it, very. It, 
Oh, I was just saying, Cronin did say in the media day press conference that the trade offer was never rescinded. So it's exactly. also one of those things where it's like, you got to hear both sides of the story. Who's telling the truth? We'll never know. It, I don't really think it matters. But at the end of the day, I think it kind of sounds like it wasn't really a, hey, like I'm committed to the Blazers kind of rescinding. Well, Joe did day. say that, and I'm sure Dame's people would have came out and said something. I mean, it's really hard to mess up not hearing Dame say, yeah, keep me, but trade me still you know like it, it's really hard to mess that up right <laughs> right i that's that's tough at that point um so what do we think about the current roster in this year coming up and it, it can be brief but what are your kind of emotions around it expectations that all that fun stuff for now the new look and young you know very young portland Trail Blazers. Hey, uh I'll, I'll start ty yeah i think um there's a lot, I mean, a lot of athleticism, you know, a lot of the things that Portland's kind of been seeking when we had Damian Lillard on our roster. <laughs> uh, I think, if anything, this just kind of proved that it wasn't really an achievable task to, no. to build that team around Dame and, and or CJ when we had him. Like, this is what we were trying to do. This just kind of proves it wasn't really possible. Um, but it's super exciting to now know that that's the kind of roster construction we have. Uh, a lot of like I said, a lot of length, a lot of athleticism at every position, which is super exciting. Um, a lot of explosiveness. I think that Anthony Simons is kind of primed to to really like he's already broken out. I would argue in this league, but I think he has a chance to even take a bigger step. Um, kind of just being the lead guard in this offense. You know, he's proven that he can put up twenty seven and five when Dame's off the court. Does that equate to wins? I don't know. That's you know, I know Connor's always been kind of one of those guys that doesn't really think Ant is a winning player. Um, I guess we'll find out soon enough, Con. You, we have our chance to to let him take over this offense and see if he can kind of be that guy for us. Um, but overall, I'm super excited about this roster in terms of what it can show in terms of growth each year. And just to be clear, I do think Ant's a good player. I just <laughs> Don't always I support the there. fact that he's <laughs> well. No, I just don't always support the fact that he's like a number two guy. I think he might just be a really good scorer that you know succeeds and when he gets to shoot in volume. But yeah. I do think he's super talented shooting wise to help you, quote unquote, win. I'm just meaning kind of like if the Blazers succeed, I bet you Scoot Henderson's kind of who you look at as like the engine of the winning. Yeah, uh, I, that's my I would that's my thought that. towards yeah. that. Rather, you know. Since Kyle's putting me on blast, I have to clarify. Ty, sorry. Take no, it away. I would agree with you, by the way. I agree with everything you just said. Uh, <laughs> just to add on to that, I think Ant on a playing a six man role would be amazing just because he provides so much scoring off the bench. Obviously, that's not going to happen for the Blazers right now, but maybe on a winning team in the future. Oh, that's a good uh, point. Yeah, I see what you're saying. A Jordan just because style or Jamal Crawford. Something likes. like that. Yes. Yeah, um, that's true. But he no, I, score. I, there's not. There's there's so many athletes on this roster, and I'm just we're gonna be seeing a lot of dunks. If it, we are gonna be losing <laughs> by forty, but Shaden is gonna dunk one on someone, and we're gonna be that'll at least keep us watching. You know, like the the rookies are gonna make a ton of mistakes. You know, Shaden included, and they're just gonna be allowed to grow. You know, like Brogdon. You know, imagine if we just played Ant Brogdon, Tybal, Jeremy, and. Aiton, you know, we may win a few more games if those players played more, but that's not going to be the case. You know, Scoot's going to get the start with Ant, and, like, we're going to allow these young guys to get play and make mistakes and grow through it. And 
I'm just excited, man. There's athletes all over the court, and I'm excited to see what Scoot can do. I really want to see him push the floor and, you know, get that ball out and transition and see what happens. Have you guys seen some some of the uh, tweets? It's kind of just like in the general NBA community, not necessarily the Blazers community. But there's been some people that are like, the Blazers may have accidentally gotten a little too good in that we might have a chance to like fight for a play-in spot. I'm not going to go as far to, to say I agree with that because I don't agree with that. But the fact that that's even kind of being thrown around in the community is kind of just shows like how exciting the team is. It's like, we're not just the Homer Blazer fans sitting here thinking we have something that we don't. It seems that like the consensus around the league is that we did a good job with this trade and that we have a very exciting team. And that's kind of a cool thing, I feel like, because I don't know if we've, right. we've had that for a long time. And I, I think those rumors, although it makes me excited, and yes, as a, a Homer Blazer fan, I immediately think, yeah, why can't we? Why can't we compete? You know, but at the same time, I do think uh, that perspective, you know, views us kind of like the Jazz, where it's like a bunch of really good pieces that fit together. I think the main difference is the experience, obviously. Experience. What, you, what you both said is like experience carries a massive weight in the NBA. And you can say like, we have Jeremy Grant and DeAndre Ayton who both have plenty of playoff experience and finals experience for DeAndre. But at the same time, I just think it's a lot to assume rookies and sophomores in the NBA are as impactful as I think we are hoping and assuming they're going to be. I mean, it's perfectly reasonable that Scoot as a rookie averages like 14 and six and five, you know, and that'd be a really good season. That'd be great. Right. And that's a really, <laughs> really good season. But like, it's hard because I think in my head, I always get so excited. I'm like, oh, he's putting up 20 and nine and mm-hmm. three, you know, in his first season. <laughs> I, I think people are excited about the roster construction. Like when you right. look at the Blazers, like that's, yeah, that's an that's exciting a, team to that look too, at. And that's a great point. And I think people are just, you know, getting a little ahead of their skis here, you know, because you look at all the teams in the West and it's not really close. I mean, we're not, we're bottom three for sure, maybe bottom. And, you know, with experience that can go up really quick, you know, cause that guys grow up quickly, but no, I, I do like the roster construction, but it's never good when people are super high on us because it never goes well. Oh, and uh, boys, if we could, if we could look, sorry, before you go, okay. Ty, if we can, could look kind of like OKC did two years ago before we knew Shea sure. was like goaded. Oh, um, like, but they were still exciting and were scrappy, but then finished, you know, somewhat lower in the in the standings. That yeah. would be really awesome, I feel like. Just to be the scrappy bad team. Don't be like the Hornets last year where everyone just hates watching your games. Like, if we could just be the exciting bad team, I would even take that as a, a win for the season and for the trade. Yeah, and um, the Chicago still owns our first-round pick, right? Right. right now. So lottery protected them it okay. converts somewhat soon though ty i can't remember exactly what I thought it, it was is. Like, like 28 it, uh, maybe it is that far i thought it went far thinking it was like a year or two away from converting but yeah maybe I, we should probably figure that out because that does change things but i do think like we're not really at risk of of giving that to them because we're, we're going to be a lottery team most likely for the next two years which is what I think this roster really needs like to, yeah, to win time. games, I think yeah. would be a really bad thing for us at the end of the day. Cause 
we need probably another one or two guys that are top ten pick talent. You know what That's I mean? That's why I think you ha- you have to deal like not that Brogdon's going to be winning us a bunch of games, but we just need to be playing rookies. Like Brogdon yeah. needs to get dealt. Give them their the... kind of let them get beat up now, cut their teeth, and then exactly you know, be ready to win when we can kind of take that next step all at once. Hopefully, yeah. And, we... and, and don't forget Jeremy too. Like that's another guy that I think they've already mentioned might be going at the deadline too. So, I mean, that's both him and Brogdon, great, great assets to have right now because every team that's competing is going to want them. And you yeah. saw what Drew Holiday, like, we were able to get with him for a team that's trying to compete. I'm not saying those two guys are going to get Drew Holiday-type package. Obviously not. I mean, Jeremy, yeah. maybe. He, he could maybe get something like that. But, but like, the fact what do we that think? we have those two assets is great. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, Brogdon could get us a, a first-round pick and maybe a young player, you know? For sure. So no, I, I'm I'm stoked on it. What's what's this trade? I love the rumors of uh, let's just uh, offer Brogdon to Miami for the same package. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, would that, would be, that would be hilarious. We'll take Hawkins, Jovic, and the two first. <laughs> well, they they did, they did it with when we got Drew. They're like, all right, now call Miami and ask for the same package. Then we dealt Drew and we got Brogdon. They're like, all right, now call Miami and ask for the same package. <laughs> <laughs> Will Miami ever trade with us again? Um, but Uh, so that's an interesting quick point here you know it's it's not portland based but miami's outlook gets pretty scary now that's the issue about playing these games with the you know with the players trying to make their way there is if you prepare your roster for that player and you strike out you're in a spot with like miami where yes they still have the talent you know that we've seen from the past couple years and they'll probably find like three undrafted guys that are all-stars potential all-stars but how do you feel, you know, their outlook is after, quote unquote, losing the Dame sweepstakes? I mean, Go ahead, I, I, I saw a quote that Kyle Lowry expects to be the starting point guard. So, so that's would, problematic I, just right there. <laughs> I would say that's problematic right there, considering he lost the job to Gabe Vincent last year. Granted, Kyle Lowry is still a, you know, a viable player off the bench. But no, I mean... They still got guys, and they they can definitely still get it done. But what was nice that the Heat had is they had a plethora of guys. So whoever was hot at the time, they were able to play that person. Now you're expecting guys like Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, and Caleb Martin to be playing well consistently and often. Like, they don't have another option past them. So that's those guys can play well, but is it going to be – throughout the whole season and into the playoffs. Cause that's a lot, who knows, you know, so they're definitely not as well off as they would have been, but like you said, that maybe Hawkes from UCLA becomes a viable player, like role player. I, I don't know. There's some undrafted guys that step up, but no, they're, I'm sure the fans are upset for sure. You know, <laughs> yeah, no so doubt. no, they're definitely not as well off. No. Yeah. I don't really have much to add to that. I, I completely agree. I mean, yeah. There's, you there's kind not of alluded to this, but like Miami kind of just always finds a way, right? So I wouldn't be shocked if they somehow just find another player or two, whether it's someone forces their way to Miami, similar to how Dame was trying to do it. But I just wouldn't be shocked if they somehow find a way to be another like top six team in the East. Well, I mean, yeah. and, and it's just credit to Jimmy Butler, dude. Like that guy. Shout out Emo Jimmy. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. I love that. So good. Uh, he, he's a character, man. He is. So speaking, you know, this full pod, I guess, speaking a lot about Damian Lillard, <laughs> the uh, 
Blazers era has officially ended. So I want to end this pod with the emotional part, unfortunately. But let's talk about kind of how, as a Blazer fan, you view Dame's legacy, you know, as a Portland Trailblazer. A lot still to be, you know, potentially done in the future. But let's assume he he doesn't come back because it's hard to kind of, mm-hmm. as we saw, make your own, force your own path, especially as you get older in the league. So what would you, you know, kind of briefly define your perspective of Dame's legacy as a Blazer? Start or stop, Ty. Go on, I mean, go on one of your classic tie rants right here. Uh, I, I know you have one ready. That's I was kind of setting him up for it. I was kind of setting him up for yeah, it. Yeah, this is where he'd just go off. <laughs> um, I mean, really embrace that underdog mentality. You know, he always he came in just preaching like he didn't have any. You know, he was no five star recruit. You know, got it out of the mud, Weaver State, and just kind of that mentality was fit perfect in Portland. Yeah. And he came in, embraced the city, and it started his rookie year, rookie of the year. You know, we're like, oh, we got something special here. And then just after that, I mean, he exploded. And some of the most improbable shots, like clutchest player I've ever seen, like one of the more – and that was what made him so fun to root for. Like at every game we were watching, we never thought, like for the most part, we're at, we're out of it because this guy was just an absolute flamethrower and would – in a matter of one quarter, say with the fourth quarter, 12 minutes, the dude could have 40 points. So, and just right. be automatic, nonstop hitting. And those deep threes, there's something about the deep threes that just he doesn't miss from the start of the logo that hit different than an alley oop dunk, you know, because this guy can't. I mean, he's getting doubled as soon as he's like at half court. I remember the bubble, they were doubling him at half court, leaving guys like. I forget who was on the corner, but just wide open because it was anyone but him. Yeah, so, that, that sounds like some bubble trouble. <laughs> sounds like some bubble trouble. Double um, bubble trouble. <laughs> but no, just an, an insane career for the Blazers. Brought a ton of happy moments for all of us. I mean, all of us remember where we were for all the game-winning shots and just a ton of fun times. But I sayonara, think was, brother. I think it was really cool, uh, speaking of how clutch he was, you know, because that's kind of what, defines his career so far being an elite guard that that steps up in um those big moments i think it was so cool to be able to let that or have that as your team's identity like rooting as a fan it's like everyone when they watched dame thought that was going in whether you were a blazer fan or the opponent's fan you know it's and and that was cool that we got to wear that you know on the fan badge is that that was our guy yeah. And I think it's going to hurt really bad to see him win those same games with Milwaukee because we know he will. But I think it's going to hurt a lot more than it does right now because right now we're excited about the assets and the news yeah. is still fresh, so the future is really exciting, and that's not going to change. But at the same time, I think it's so so much nostalgia. I mean, like Kyle mentioned, we basically, as as fans, I think our cognizant era – um, all being 28 was really starting with like the end of the jail blazers and moving into when we were really terrible until we got B-Roy. And then since yep. B-Roy, we've kind of been on this close to the same track, you know, for the most of our fandom where we're a middling team. And then sometimes we're underperforming, but then every once in a while, we're kind of in that three, four range. And we've yeah. always had so much excitement around it, but Dame was the powerhouse behind that. And so 
potentially seeing the best blazer of all time as as a major part of when we were fans is something that will be cool to look back on and talk about uh but man it's it's gonna sting i think when we see him in big moments you on know, that big stage that we never got to yeah. that's gonna be where it, it really hurts to watch him and Giannis win eastern conference finals and finals games potentially you know hopefully like uh, we were primed for three to five game winners a season like <laughs> i know and he kind of convinced you he was not like i can't remember him missing many no you know like because he made so freaking many there's <laughs> like it's like you could say like 20 of them right off the top it's nuts it's insane and for the houston one to start it all off you know it start his career off i think that's just like we didn't know it at the time well, but that would define how his full NBA career would be like well, the most that, that unlikely his, moments with the underdog team. That was his first playoff one, but he had a regular season, but a buzzer reader before that. True. The Pelicans before that. Yeah. Uh, but I guess it's sorry. Yeah. Big defining moment for him now. Kyle, what, what's, what's your final words for our following um, era? You know, obviously, you know, re, you know, retweet everything you guys just said. <laughs> retweet. I, I, I won't. That's a beautiful <laughs> homage to Damian Miller. To retweet uh, our speeches. Uh, what I what I'll add is that uh, I I guess like it speaks for itself. His like I'm referring to his legacy in this is that I'm as a fan, like I'm pretty confident, or at least I don't know. I feel like we're never gonna have a guy like him again in Portland, and I don't know if that's a pessimistic, like glass half empty way to look at it, but I just think like. He was he was so rare in his loyalty to the team and the organization and the city and truly wanting to be here and like grow his life here. I'm just not sure, you know, we'll be lucky enough to have that again, at least for a really long time. Like it takes a special person to really, you know, buy into an entire community and to a fan base like he did for us. And it just doesn't happen in small markets often. I mean, Giannis is doing it in Milwaukee, which is cool to see. And so I don't want to be like pessimistic about it, like I said, but at the same time, it's like you just you have to love and respect him so much for everything that he did for us. And he'll I think That's- he'll forever be my favorite blazer, pretty much no matter who else we get, just because of like the timing in my life when he was on the team, the things he did with the shots like you guys referred to. I just don't know if there's ever gonna be someone that can surpass him in terms of like my love for a player. Does that kind yeah. of make sense? I- no, I, I think I'm in the same boat. I think he's our, you know, when we are old and still talking about the Blazers, probably via Zoom on a podcast, uh, we will look back, I think, as these, uh, you know, being our kind of fondest fan years, especially because it's the time in our lives where you can be the most into it and kind of be over the top about it. Like when Tyler cussed out that kid in a, just for wearing a thunder. <laughs> oh, oh, I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, I, that sounds like something you would have done. Commission. No, that doesn't sound like me. Oh, it does. Uh, and, but... and not to not to change, like not to get off this topic, even though I feel like we've all kind of spoken to it already. But I think we're going to quickly realize, as a fan base, how lucky we are to have drafted Scoot Henderson because I think he's oh, yeah. going to make this transition a lot easier and smoother so, than we could ever pray for. Because I think uh, in two like, years, we're going to be like, holy shit, we scored big time. <laughs> I think so too. And I think it's the uh, one of those things where right now, I mean, it, it could always go whatever way, but with how 
it's so rare to be this confident about a guy like throughout the league. Everyone talks good about him. No one really has much bad to say. I mean, you could be dealing with like having a, you know, LaMelo Ball type guy instead. And that would drive us nuts, even though he's mm-hmm. really talented. Like that would be, mm-hmm. th- this guy's supposed to be a dog. So I'm really excited that it could go from Dame to a guy that's mentally built up the same way. Yeah. Uh, that would be pretty sick. Yeah, no, Scoot is definitely making this transition much easier because, I mean, I'm still ecstatic to watch the Blazers. You know, like, right. I, I can't There's wait. There's like, if, if we had the fifth pick and we drafted Asur Thompson, you know, I, I I would be struggling right now. And if we'd, and if at that point, Cronin didn't sign or have Dame come back when he said, then I'm pissed. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good point. It's like, I feel like we lucked out. I think if we had, uh, what Brandon what's Brandon Williams right Brandon Miller oh Miller man. sorry Brandon Miller I oh would be and Charlotte taking Brandon right now yeah I mean he has oh, like, no classic one's played a... classic Charlotte I mean no they no one's played a game yet but it already seems like the the wrong pick yeah and that's what I I wanted to get to one last thing Kyle said but I think that's a really good point that it's so rare for people, the players to stay in small markets, especially or not team up with people. And Portland's obviously never going to really be the team up destination that it's going to be scary when it's this group, this young group's time to kind of make their decision. We have a lot of time before that, but once it's, you know, their time to make a decision, we can't really bank on the same loyalty we saw for so long from a player that could you know, go down as he's already in the top 75 of the NBA. So that's, that's a scary thought, but it luckily we get to push it way to the future for now. So. Yep. Yep. I mean, All right. Any yeah. final thoughts on the. No, that the was a good channel. Boys. I mean, it's been, yeah, a- that was good. It, it was good to express ourselves, you know? Yeah. Connor, we're, we're not late to these things. Like you said, at the beginning, we just, we're just professionals and we take the time to emotionally, uh, you know, comprehend what's going on digest we really got to think it through to give you guys just the the best responses to it all that is that is a great point we do it for our audience that's why we always wait at least a week to break news and we are educated that is also very true we do our research and Um, we have connections too we have inside sources we we never say anything that is actually incorrect that is true they're all verified by our our insider sources very reliable ones Yes, the most. <laughs> All right. For Tyler, <laughs> Kyle, and Con, this has been the Breaking Day Pod. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. 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 A three wins the series. It's Lou.